But it's going to be a heavy message today. So get your notes out and uh, get ready to love your pastor anyway. All right? Amen. Amen. <sighs> we are moving forward, and we've been talking about moving forward as a family. Uh, before it was a song, we were family. Amen. Everybody sh- shout, we are family. Okay. God, um, that was cheesy. Okay. So um, are we family? Is that what we are? Do we take care of one another? We love one another? Is that what we do? We are family in the body of Christ. You know everybody's name? Nope. But we are family, right? You don't even know all the people you're related to. You don't know them. You can do a DNA test, and people you've never met before will send you notes saying that they're your family. But we are family. We are the body of Christ. And even during this time where we have been separated, we are still family, right? You have to to embrace that. And I've called you to this task in Joshua 24 Make the big declaration again. But as for me and my house, like, well, you got to say that with some, come on, say that with some swagger. Would you do that? Come on. As for me and my house, neck, we will serve the Lord. Okay. I didn't see enough neck movement there, so I was. As for me and my house, we, come on, we will serve the Lord. All right. Sounds good. And you need to make that declaration. You need to make it every day. Today, I want to look at the scripture in Psalm 107 and 19. I want you to look at Psalm 107, 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Shout it. Read it with me. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Anybody been through it before? Anybody ever been through it in your home? Anybody been through it in your family? Have you been through it? Have you ever been in such a struggle personally? How many feel the, the heat that's rising in the world right now? Can you feel the heat? That Okay, let me tell you. Have you noticed that the spirit of Antichrist is rising in our culture? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back. I taught you on 1 John 4. If you don't know what I'm saying, if you think I'm just being a crazy preacher, getting you all riled up. Okay, I'm a little crazy, and I do want to get you riled up. But the spirit of Antichrist has been here. It's been here for a long, long time, not just the last 20 years. He didn't show up in 2021. The spirit of Antichrist has been here. Satan has been against Christ. The spirit that rises against Christ has been here. Now, the Antichrist will rise up, but out of the spirit of Antichrist. And everyone who confesses Jesus is of the spirit of God. And everyone that does not confess Jesus is of the spirit of Antichrist. Now, if you don't believe me, read 1 John 4. Read it. Read it for yourself. You say, there's some really nice people that are not of Jesus. I don't think they're Antichrist. I like those people, but they are not of the spirit of Christ 
unless they have proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord. Now, some of you remember when you were of the spirit of Antichrist. You're not going to confess that right now? How many remember when you were Antichrist? You said, I wasn't against Christ. I just wasn't for him. You are either for him or against him. So you are born into sin. You are born into brokenness. Now, I, I can't fix everybody, all right? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I make it a stand. And we are family, right? Are, are we family here? Are we in this house together online? Are we? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, this mess is going to get a little thick, you know, so don't throw stuff at me, all right? Unless it's money. Don't throw, no, anyway, no, just. When I say this and set you up for this, uh, there's a lot of mess going on in the world. But as for me and my house, it's time to stop the destruction. That's what I'm reading in this word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I'm saying it's time to, somebody shout, stop the destruction. Shout it, stop the destruction. And now when I say, say that, you don't have to say it to me. Say it to the Lord. Stop the destruction. Stop the destruction. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So healed and delivered. Both of those are important. He healed them. And he delivered them. I want you to be healed and delivered. I want you to know the strength of it. And I, and I want you to have that especially in your family. Anybody ever watch game shows? Have you, have you watched a game show? Anybody ever watched Family Feud? Where are you? Anybody really like Family Feud? I mean, when I was a boy, it was Richard Dawson. That was weird because Richard kissed every woman in the mouth that got on his show. I just... He did. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? Okay, he was famous for that. I would not let my family, I mean, there'd be a few. He'd kiss my wife. I would slap him cold in the face. I just, what? Putting up with that mess. Anyway, all right, I'm a little crazy right now, but Steve Harvey, he does a good job. He's funny and uh, tries to keep it lighthearted. Some of their questions a little bit, I don't know if I want my kids sitting around listening to some of those questions, but anyway, Family Feud, where you get like the Smith family and the Jones family, and they're on either side, and they call it the Family Feud because they're competing as a family against one another, but I've been working for a lot of families, and I, I don't see too many. It's, it's not like the Smith and the Jones feuding against each other. Usually, it's the Smiths and the Smiths feuding against each other. It's the Jones and the Jones. I mean, if we could get, if we could get wholeness in the family, if we get, get wholeness there, then we could work with other families. We need to get the Smiths set free. We need to, we, it's, it's not just the Hatfields against the McCoys. It's the Hatfields can't get along with the Hatfields. It's, it's the McCoys can't get along with the McCoys. We need to have wholeness in our families. Sometimes, however, in our homes, it seems like there's nothing that we can do. Have you ever felt like punching a wall in your own house? I mean, the very wall that you fixed, you know, the very wall that you painted, and one day you said, I just need to hit something. Anybody ever been that angry that you ever needed to hit something? I know you don't want to raise your hands in front of your kids right now, all right? Or maybe have you ever felt like you just wanted to scream? 
Have you ever been so upset you want to scream? Some people say, well, I'm not, I don't scream. I know, but maybe you're that person that just shuts up or shuts down and nobody hears anything from you. You know, you just get quiet. You just feel like there's nothing you can do, like everything's falling apart and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. But in this scripture, in Psalm 107, if you study it, I mean, it's a beautiful scripture. It's a worshipful scripture. And it goes on a journey in which it reaches back to times when people were massively distressed. Everything from hunger, frustration, to bondage and enslavement. And, and oftentimes, they literally brought it upon themselves. Now, pause for a moment. Sometimes you think you just need deliverance because of what people did to you. All right? Our condition, our circumstances, you can't always point at somebody else. I, I am where I am because of how my life has been but also because of the decisions and the choices that I have made. And if you go back to the children of Israel, if you look back at their bondage in Egypt, they were in bondage in Egypt because of their own decisions, their own choices. They were hungry because of what they chose to do. They, they struggled often not because of the enemy, because the enemy couldn't ca catch up with them. They got drowned in the Red Sea. See, but once they got into the wilderness, they sometimes decided that they wouldn't keep their trust in the one God, the one true and living God. How many believe that God is God? Anybody believe that? Oh, help me preach today. So in their situations, over and over again, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he healed them out of their distresses. He sent their word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions, from the things that they had walked into. You could use the word pitfalls there, just the pits that they have fallen into, into, the, into situations they've been in. So I, I, just so you know, I'm, I, 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 I love it when you say amen. It kind of strokes me a little bit somehow. It just helps me preach sometimes. But I know that everybody's not going to like what I preach today. I know that. I, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm already good with it. But I've been hearing from the Lord. And so hearing from the Lord, you just, you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm not running for office. I'm not. I just, I just got to be well. So one of the things that happened, uh, and of course, I, I just got back from California early this week. So grateful for Marshall and for our associate pastor, Preston, for preaching in my absence. Uh, it's the first time I, I've been away on a Sunday in about a year. Uh, during this pandemic, it was good for me to go away. It was good for me to help my family. My hands are beginning to heal after opening all those boxes and carrying all that stuff into the house that they moved into. You got a really nice place to live in. Uh, my back is feeling better now. Hallelujah. Uh, from uh, all of that carrying. And so, anybody help somebody move before? So uh, I, 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 I'm really grateful. But uh, when, I, when I got home, uh, I, the dreams begin to kick in at nighttime. So just, just some, some dreams that I've had. I'm not going to talk about everything right now, but uh, one, I, I dreamed just a, a few nights ago. In the dream, I was walking down the street, and I had a bow and a quiver of arrows. And I was drawing out these invisible arrows, 
and I was shooting them into homes and into yards. And as I was shooting them into the yards, I had the revelation that what I was shooting into these homes and yards was the word of God. And the song came to me in my dream as an old Don Moen song from 2003. Not so old, I guess, but 2003, he sang this worship chorus. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I sent my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. Which is really a combination of two scriptures. One of them is the scripture in Psalm 107. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from out of their destructions. Uh, So it's also Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ears to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. That's his name. God who heals. The Lord who heals. Somebody worship him right now. Would you just worship him from that perspective? Come on, worship him. Lord, I praise you because you are the Lord who heals me. I praise you for your word is true. You won't put on me what is on others. I thank you, Lord, that you will set me free from all of my pitfalls. I praise you, Lord, that I belong to you, that you are Jehovah Rohi. You are the God who heals, the God who delivers. You are the God who provides. You are the God who does warfare for me. You are my God, my shepherd, and I praise you for who you are. Praise him with me. I'm grateful that I'm hearing that numbers have been coming down on the virus. Somebody praise God for that. Praise God. People are getting well. Uh, people, it, some people are going out and getting their vaccinations, and some people are praising God for their antibodies. Hallelujah. So, but I can hear the word of the Lord telling us, uh, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I, I can hear him telling us, don't ever stop depending upon my word. And what I say, I can hear him telling us, I am your ultimate healer, and I am your true deliverer. Jesus. I mean, when you hear all the destruction that's in the world, we need to cry out to the Lord, our God. And if you don't know what to say, just try this. Lord, stop the destruction. Say it. Stop the destruction. You know, the destruction that we're seeing in our world didn't start in 2020. Didn't. Didn't start in China. It did not. It's been accumulating for a long time. It's it's the brokenness of sin. Anybody ever been to the doctor and filled out, like, your health information? Because doctors always want to know, you know, what, what you've experienced, what's happened in your life. Uh, yeah, your medical history, but medical history isn't just your history. They also want to know about your daddy's history and your mama's history. I mean, they want, they, they want to know, you know, what's going on with your mama in her past, you know, and, you know, I have to say, well, my mama passed and she died of colon cancer. So they send me over to gastroenterologist. I say, I feel just fine. They say, I don't care. We're going to take a look at that. He's smiling at me right now. Maybe it's your turn soon, okay? So, 
They want to know about my dad. They want to know about his intestinal issues, you know, and uh, they want to know about my mama's blood pressure issues. So they watch my blood pressure. Praise God, my blood pressure is good. Hallelujah, I'm doing well. But, but they ask those questions, okay? They ask them because the expectation is the same problems that was in your family. And they'll go back further. They'll go to your uncles and your aunts and your grandparents. The same problems physically that are in your family may show up in your life as well because of ge- a, a genetic predisposition disposition toward that type of, of issue. Got any medical professional, professionals in here that say, amen, Pastor Rick, you're telling the truth. So he said, I'm not your doctor. I'm your pastor. And I want you to be set free. But I don't just want you to be set free. I want your children to be set free. I want your parents to be set free. Wherever we're starting right now, you might be right in the middle of generations. Wherever you are, I want you to be delivered from destruction. Now, in order to do that, you got to get honest. And when I say get honest, I don't want to know just about you. I want to know what's been going on in your life. Say, Pastor, that ain't none of your business. But can, can can, can I ask you if you have seen... Uh, is it coincidental that you're struggling with the same mess that your mama and daddy struggled with? Or that for three generations you've been struggling with the same sin, the same sickness, the same brokenness? We need to wake up and stop pretending like that is some kind of coincidence. I think perhaps you would do well to take a piece of paper and begin to write down some things about yourself Tell me some of your belief systems, the things that have had a stronghold on your life. What is your spirit history? What are your faulty belief systems of your past? What are your heart wounds? Tell me about your unforgiveness. Tell me about your real relationship with Jesus. Or tell me about your relationship with demons. Your family history of faith or faithlessness your broken relationships of your past or the broken relationships of your family, your grandparents. I ask people these questions all the time and they'll, you know, why are you just getting nosy, pastor? You're trying to find something. I want to know about the destruction that has never stopped. I want to know how destruction somehow got momentum in your generations. Why are you more broken than they were three generations ago? And I want you and your family to experience true healing and true deliverance. Listen, brothers and sisters, healing is not just a wave of glory uh, that you feel on a Sunday morning. It is warfare on behalf of your soul and your family and your marriage and your children. You say, well, I got deliverance this morning. I'm glad. Would you take that deliverance home with you? And would you allow it to manifest tonight when you're talking with your husband or your wife or when you're sitting with your children or when you're hanging out with your friends? God wants that deliverance to walk out the door with you today. It's time to stop the destruction. I'm telling you about these things, and I know you're still struggling when I tell you this, but, but have you ever taken a road trip? Anybody ever taken a road trip? Noticed how nasty your car is when you get home? <laughs> ever noticed how nasty your car is? And some of you go out right now, and if you looked in your car, 
you will find evidence of a road trip that you took like three months ago. Cracker crumbs still in a seat. Got an amen? Come on. Old french fries? Yeah, out in your car right now in case you get hungry. Yeah, snacks right there in your seat, right? Lollipops. You got babies. They're everywhere, everywhere. You look under the mats. You'll find stuff hidden there because instead of taking the trash out, you just stuff it somewhere. Nobody can find it, right? Right? How many know how to do that, all right? Sooner or later, trash has a tendency to accumulate. Jesus has a tendency to accumulate. And you know why it accumulates? Because we habituate. We get trash in our car becomes normal. So my car's just dirty. My car just smells that way. No, it's the stuff that's rotting in the back seat. Oh, no, no. The front seat. Oh, no, no. In that little container in the door. In the glove box where we hide stuff. Quick, somebody's getting in the car. It's nasty. And the longer you own your car, the longer the journey, somebody is going to buy that car because you're going to sell that car, and they will get in the same car that you were driving in, and they will say, well, this car is really pretty, but then they look under the seat, and they find the stuff that you left in there five years ago when you first got it. You're saying, that's horrible, Pastor. I'm saying you find out the trash that trash has a way of accumulating generationally can't just put up with the trash. We can't do it on our own because the enemy will play with our heads. He will try to get you to surrender the truth and accept a lie. That's why God sent his word so that you will know by reading and studying his word that trash is trash and gold is gold. But sometimes we think the trash is gold because the trash makes you happy. I got to teach you this now. God is not necessarily concerned with your happiness all the time. People think, oh, I'm not happy. I'm just pursuing it. I want you to be happy. But sometimes your happiness is trashy. And so because of the things that have accumulated in your life, rather than taking the trash out, what you do is you do other things to help you to ignore all the things that you have accumulated in this journey. Come on. I am, I'm in my dream right now, so I'm going to walk down those aisles, and I'm going to shoot arrows. I'm going to shoot some arrows. The Word of God, I'm just going to shoot it right at your house. And you might say, why is he shooting at me? Because I love you. Anybody know God's Word in Hebrews 4 and chapter 12? For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. Somebody shout, it penetrates. Shout it, it penetrates. See, you read just enough of the Word of God so you can walk away from it. But if it doesn't stick into your soul, if it doesn't stick into your heart, then you might as well just be watching Family Feud all day, all right? If it doesn't stick in, I need the Word of God to penetrate, and I need it to divide my faulty belief systems from the truth. I need the trash taken out of my mind and out of my heart. I need to capture everything that is not the word of God. And so you understand this. The last part of that scripture says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Oh, Wait, that's the Old Testament. No, that's the New Testament. Let's read it together. We must give account. Oh, I thought Jesus died on the cross and that was the account. 
Yeah, he settled it to transform you into the body of Christ. And he said that we should be ready when he returns because he's coming back after a holy bride. Holy, pure, and spotless. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit, not just to make you go, woo! He sent his Holy Spirit inside of you to transform you from the inside out. His Spirit, his Word comes inside of you and transforms you. Yes. Okay, so we're going to say stop the destruction. Say it, stop the destruction. Stop the destruction of our faith. How long will you waver between two opinions? That's the word of God, 1 Kings 18, 21. Say it out loud. How long will you waver between two opinions? Ooh. And now that, that's 1 John 4, like I preached to you a few weeks ago, right? How long will you waver between two opinions? Uh, I read the story. It's true. Checked it out. Little girl named Lydia went back to school. Uh, praise God, kids getting go to back to school. Hallelujah! And so she went back to school. Yeah, praise God. Got some parents saying, "Hallelujah, dear God, protect them and help me, Jesus." You know, where's my school teachers at? Got school teachers? Keep praying for your school teachers. Encourage them. Bless them. Amen. So she went back to school, Christian little girl. You know, there's COVID protocol uh, that's in place. So she was wearing her mask. She went in her mask, but her teacher noticed her mask and called her out in the hallway. And she, her mask wasn't right. And she put a new mask on her uh, because her mask said, Jesus loves me on it. And so they had to take her mask away from her and give her a mask now, it was okay to have words on the mask according to this particular school's protocol, but you couldn't have words about Jesus on it. Hmm. So, a uh, little girl was upset about it. I mean, after all, she was just nine years old, and she went home and told her mama about it. And mama was a little upset, and she called, and uh, they began to debate these particular, the COVID protocol of not wearing a mask that says anything about Jesus on it. Now, I can, I, I plan to stir you up with this particular story, you know, and I know some of you are thinking, yeah, I understand, but, you know, maybe, you know, it's because you can't have this, you can't have, I mean, it's one thing such a precedent and that sort of thing. I, I want you to bring, I want you to come back to me in this sermon for a moment. Come back to me, all right? Because, you know, that particular situation is still at a legal impasse. The family with the school is at a legal impasse. Which is, that's what's strange to me. Why is having a mask that says, Jesus loves me, something that should be uh, a legal issue? What is going on in my culture till somebody would say, no, we can't have any Jesus mask. Okay, so it's, it, for me, it's bigger than that. It's just an illustration that is going to impact some of you one way or another. Some would say, sure, be quiet, but how is our silence serving us? How is our quietness serving us? How is it that believers in the Lord Jesus can keep shrinking away and getting smaller and smaller until finally we all believe that the name of Jesus really, you can take it or leave it. This description, 1 Kings 18 and 20, it's really a scripture arrow from the story of Elijah because Ahab and 
uh, and Jezebel had invited the prophets of Baal to come and sit at the king's table. And they had erected idols throughout the nation. And, 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 and Elijah told them, you know, we're going to wait for a while. There's not even going to be any water, but eventually we're going to meet on a mountain. And they met on the mountain. And this is Elijah's words. He went to the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But, read this, but the people said nothing. We're getting good at saying nothing, church. I'm afraid we're getting really good at being quiet. The other day, I and just on a whim, I saw a T-shirt advertised on the web, a Jesus T-shirt, and I ordered it. It was in my size, looks good, talked about faith, got me a new Christian T-shirt. Christian, somebody say Christian T-shirt. Say it, T-shirt. Just a T-shirt. Just want to wear my T-shirt. I want to walk up and down because I like to walk on the boardwalk when it gets a little warmer. My T-shirt that says something about Jesus. I, I like T-shirts. I like Jesus T-shirts. I, I like Jesus bumper stickers. I like that. I mean, you put everything else on it, all right? I mean, go ahead, get you that nice little coexist. I've seen that like a, a, a thousand times on people's cars. And I think we should love one another. I don't think we should fight so much with one another, but but so you know, there will not be an eternal coexistence. Sooner or later, you got to decide who you're going to serve. And all the gods are not the same God. I don't know what you got to do. Get you some Christian bumper stickers. Get you like my daddy. He has this hat that says Jesus in bold print right across the top. I know you're too cool to wear that like I am. And you know, I'm glad you wear a cross on occasion. But whether you wear a cross or a t-shirt, would you just open your mouth and tell somebody that Jesus is the Lord? Would you just, help me, would you just open your mouth in your house on occasion, just, just whisper it if you have to and tell your children, no, oh, Jesus is good. Just do that. Maybe pray with your baby sometime. Maybe just call on the name of the Lord. Here's something. Get your Bible out and read it in public. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Rick, you are pushing me too hard. Well, just pick Baylor the Lord. But sooner or later, you have to say something. You say, Pastor, you're just, just putting guilt on us. Only if you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's only, that's, that's, that's all. I mean, I, don't you feel a little bit of conviction? Don't you think that being quiet about your faith has not served your marriage very well? Being quiet about your faith has not served your coworkers very well. Being quiet about your faith has not served our nation very well. Come on, open your mouths and proclaim Jesus. I love it when I hear people of God speaking about their faith. I love changing your hellos and goodbyes to blessings and peace. I watched a mother and a daughter the other day over at Panera Bread across, you know, they were just sitting there and mom and dad, they were, mom and the daughter were talking and finally mama reached over and grabbed their hand. They bowed their head and they began to pray together and they prayed. They didn't just, you know, say they prayed. And I thought, can you do that in public? Oh, they're just doing it for a show. Get, your, get the demons out of your head for a moment. There are actually people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, well if it's for a show, don't do it. No, I think we need to make a show openly of the enemy by proclaiming the name of Jesus publicly. 
Jesus did it on the cross. He made a show of Satan. He made a show of him that he didn't have power. I can still proclaim the name of Jesus. Give me a, get, come on, somebody give me an out loud, I'm not ashamed. Somebody. But not just with t-shirts and stickers. We need to stop the destructions of our home. And I'm looking back to Malachi. I love Malachi. One of the reasons I love the prophet Malachi is this was the last prophet for 400 years. It's like God was speaking through prophets to the people of Israel, and then after Malachi, boom. It's quiet. No more prophets until we see Jesus born and John the Baptist show up and the Son of God come. Enough prophecy has been given until this particular point. So when you look back, his topics are really strong. And this one in Malachi 2 is strong. He makes the statement, why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? The teaching here is not just about your pinky swears. It's about the covenant of marriage. That's what this is about. He says in Malachi, in, in Malachi 2 and 11, he says, a detestable, a detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. What is that detestable thing? Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. Now we understand that there is a national message there, but it becomes national when it first happens individually. Now, um, this scripture is pretty heavy. Verse 13, another thing you do. Can I read the Bible here? These are arrows, okay? Can I read the Bible? Is it okay to read the Bible in church? Okay? Are you sure? Is it all right? I don't want to to hurt anybody's feelings. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read the Bible. Shoot. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with tears. You weep. And wail because no long, but 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 he no longer pays attention to your offerings, or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Whoa. I know some, I, I got single people in here. I got people who have been married once, twice, three times. I know that. I got people who just got married. I understand that. Now just, just put your seatbelt on for a moment, okay? Put your bullets down, okay? Let me finish. It's the word of God. So if you're mad, be mad at God, okay? Has not the Lord, verse 15, has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his, and why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord. That's the Bible, right? I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. So again, some of you are going to struggle with this, but... Here's one of the realities that we live with in our culture, and that is that divorce happens, right? Now, we're not going to have a hand-raising, but a big portion of the people that come to church every Sunday have had a divorce at some time in their life. And, 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 and when I say that, I, I, I can't go back to the divorce. I can't go back and fix that. It, it, divorce has happened. Can I get a yes? Divorce has happened. I hear that. Uh, on the other hand, when I say that, if we could go back and fix things before, the divorce. 
if we could work some things out before it happened. Wait, no, no, before the marriage itself. Now, I know some of you are married to individuals that don't know Jesus. I'm not telling you to go home and divorce them. What I'm saying is there are things that need to be done. And what we do is we start from this point and we go forward. All right? We need to understand this opening statement where where he says, how is it that Judah has married the daughter of a foreign god? How is that? We need to recognize that we can't waver between two opinions. We believe in God. And as a man or a woman of God, I'm not going to marry someone who is of the Antichrist. You say, but they're really pretty. We got to stop picking out wives like we pick out cars. I mean, you like the fenders and the bumpers. Man. Top goes back. It's a convertible. Yeah, I said that. Whoop, whoop. Jesus. Have mercy on me for what I'm about to do. And that's good. But here's the problem. When you shop for a mate like you shop for cars, you will always find a new one. I bought the car I'm driving right now in 2015. Let me tell you about the scratches and the bumps and the bruises and the repair work. Diane and I, we've been thinking about getting another car one day. Looking around at some big, prettier cars. Things that'll get us down the road and stuff. You, you, you look for a mate that way. You don't, you're not just looking at fenders or bumpers. Anyway. It's not a car. Marriage isn't a car. It's a sacred institution. And I know it's a struggle sometimes, but be aware. If you get married and you think you will not have trouble, you've been lied to. I'm going to take you back again. Marriage is not, and they lived happily ever after. Marriage is, and they found out who they really were. And they dealt with each other's mess. And they work through it. But you look at, you look at some folk who've been here for a while. And you say, well, you know, Pastor Rick, I, you know, you and Diana, you've been doing pretty well. Yeah, we're doing really well. She's still my girlfriend. We take walks. But we have to work on it. And if I'm a man of character, a great deal of that was sitting with my wife and dealing with some stuff. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. We can't communicate. No, I knew you couldn't communicate when you got married. But I knew also that God wanted to help you figure out how to communicate. And if you would stop quitting on each other, stop looking at the scratches and the dents in your... Oh, help me preach, pastor. God's building your character. You need to get through the character-building stages of your marriage. You need to work through your differences. Can I bust on some of you just for a moment? You already did, Pastor. How come some of you won't pray with each other? 
I've told you to do it a thousand times in the last two years. A thousand times I've asked you to pray together. And I've told you that if you will pray together and pray for one another and read the word every day, that God will bring your marriage tight together. But you won't do it. You won't do it. No. You'll buy cars and you'll fix the house and work on the front porch. But you won't work on the spiritual intimacy in your home. And then you call me on the phone say, Pastor, I don't know what's wrong. And I ask you, will you pray? No, we won't pray. We'll start there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Feel it. Feel it. Kind of mad right now. I don't know what got over me. Getting a little irritated. Some of you say, You're not even, don't, don't even look at your husband or wife right now. Don't even look at him. Just keep looking at me. All right? Stop blaming on your husband or blame it on your wife. One of you, just pick up the Bible. Light a candle every day. Every day, light a candle together. And this is me. This is me telling you. I, light a candle. Light a candle. It's romantic. But it says there is romance between my wife and I and between us and Jesus. That my covenant isn't just between the two of us. Our covenant is before the Lord Jesus. Somebody wants to get married one day. You need to be taking big notes. You need to download this entire message and listen to it about 20 times. 20,000 times, so you can get that old belief system that just as long as everybody's cute and they got the cutest clothes on, they got the nicest hairstyle, we'll be married. Just as long as we have enough physical intimacy, everything will be good. Come on, you know that's not the truth. You need Jesus in your home. Yes, get counseling. Yes, find somebody to talk to. But come to church. Listen to this preacher up here. He's got some really good stuff to say about your home. Stop hiding now. Stop disappearing just because it hurts on occasion. Receive the injection of the word of God and be healed from your destruction. Now, look at this last verse here. Verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. What? You wearied the Lord? Who wearies the Lord? I thought he never got tired. Yeah, but sometimes he gets weary. Same tune over and over and over and over and over again. How have you wearied him? You ask by saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. That's how you weary him. Because you say... Maybe not with your lips, but with your life. People who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And he is pleased with them. Yeah, that's what happens. It's what we say. How we live our lives. Doing evil is okay because Jesus went to the cross. What Bible are you reading? How can you continue in sin because grace Why do, you, why do we do this? He says, don't continue in sin because grace abounds. God forbid. How can we do this? Grace is your first step into righteousness. Your works don't matter without grace. But after you've experienced grace, now your works are beautiful and glorious. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you from sin. All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. It is the mantra of our culture. Everybody is good. Everybody is all right. Nobody has any problems. You're good. I'm good. No. Help me preach. I know you're struggling. I know life is difficult, but hear me. 
Stand for what is right. Live righteously. Forgive. Honor your covenant. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And don't grow weary in your righteousness. You keep living for God even when nobody applauds you. You keep telling people about Jesus even when people tell you you need to be quiet. You make a stand for Jesus in your home. You pray when nobody will pray with you. You do it. You live and walk righteously. Some of the best preaching I've ever done. Galatians 6, that's what I said. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows that, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while we're doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. So everything you're doing is going to reap a harvest, which brings me to this last statement, and I'll close. It's not about you. It's not just about you. It's about the next generations. I'm living for God right now, not just for me. It's not just about me. I'm going to reap a great harvest. Malachi 2.15 says, Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are His, and why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. He is seeking godly, righteous offspring. Anybody ever been to a funeral before? Well, if the Lord tarries is coming, you will be one day. Your own. But what gives you joy? Man, my daddy, I talk to my daddy all the time, and the one thing he celebrates every time we talk on the phone is, I'm just so glad, I'm so proud of my children all serving Jesus. I'm so thankful for your church there, Ricky, and, and I'm so thankful for what God's doing and our grand, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, how they're serving Jesus. Just does my heart good, and then he goes back. He, he tells me this story all the time. If he listens to this online, I'm not making fun of you, Daddy. I'm honoring you, okay? He tells me this story all the time. He said, when your mom and I were born, we prayed, God, give us children. He said, and I prayed, God, give me some sons if they'll serve you, but if they won't serve you just take them on home daddy who prays that my daddy you hear you hear what I'm saying church it's time to stop the destruction stand with me stand with me I gotta finish just a few things all right here's some things to do somebody cry out stop the destruction cry out cry out. okay stop the destruction what do we do? You've heard me say several things today. Let's say one of the things we need to do is stop. Just say stop. stop. Anybody ever cross the street? You need to stop. Take a look at the destruction. What is the destruction? Take a look at your history. And then cry out. I can't do this on my own. Somebody shout. Cry out. Stop the destruction. Shout it. Stop the destruction. You know, no, just cry out. Cry out. Stop the destruction, God. Then he's going to lead you to do some things. One of the things he's going to lead you to do is take your trash out. Got to take the trash out. Okay, look at me. Let me help you. There are things that are in your life that do not honor the Lord. That trash needs to be taken out. There are ways that we think that do not honor the Lord. That trash needs to be taken out. 
My wife, on occasion, because I am the trash taker outer at my house. I am that guy. She will just mention to me if for some reason I haven't done it yet. But I often do I not do, do it on my own, regularly on my own. I even help with the dishes. I am. I'm a catch, aren't I? Wow. So. I often will just go in, but she'll mention it. She'll just mention this. Oh, that trash is about full. Could you get that? Yeah, baby, I got that. I got that. I'll take the trash out, then maybe look around and get some more trash. If you'll allow the Lord, He will help you to understand where the trash is hidden. He will whisper what's been going on for a long time in your life. He has revealed some things to me about my own life in the last year, some things, revealed some things about areas that he would like to heal and, and work in in my life, just in my own prayers. And I'll take my phone out or get a piece of paper or something and just begin to write it down, ask the Lord what I need to do because he, I, I don't know if you realize it, but I'm a work in progress. I am, you know, I'm, I'm, God's not finished with me yet. He will show you when trash is accumulating in an area. So let me help you with that. Somebody shout Repent. Do Christians repent? Should you repent? That means you have to open up your mouth and speak. No, it doesn't just mean you have to speak. That's confession. That's a part of it. Repentance is turning another direction. That's what repentance is. Repentance is I've been going this way and now I'm going to, I'm going to forfeit that journey and I'm going to go another journey. Because sin is not just something you do. Sin is the way that you live. It's the path that you're trotting on. Hmm. Got this? So with sin is confession. Say it, confession. So don't just tell the Lord that you're sorry if you've done anything wrong. Tell Him what it is. This is the area of my life that needs to change. I'm going to confess this to you, Lord. Now why should you confess sin? Now watch this. Okay. When you confess sin, it loses power over you. Unconfessed sin has power over you. You say, no, the cross. No, here's what, how the cross works, okay? If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse you of your sin and, 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 and heal you of all unrighteousness. So here's what happens. When you confess sin, the residue of that sin is, begins to be erased. You know what the residue is? It's shame. Some of you have shame right now for something that you have done. But you've confessed it. No, you haven't. Because when you begin to confess it, it loses its power over you. Isn't it beautiful when somebody confesses sin or gives their testimony and that which at one, one time kept them in shame, now they use that as a proclamation and they say, I used to be this, but Jesus forgave me of it, and it no longer has power over me, because what you keep in secret will cause you to live in shame, and then you will do other things in order to keep from confessing it, and to make the shame go away. That's good preaching, Pastor Rick. So, cry out, take the trash out, repent out, confess out, and then pursue the Lord with all of your heart. Anybody receive the word today? Amen. Let's get our covenant with Christ and with one another in order today. Can we do that? Are you ready? We're going to get our covenant right right now. We're going to get our covenant right. We're going to do two things. One is, in a moment, I'm going to have some 
prayer workers come and stand here. Some, some people that you can talk to. They're not just going to lay their hands on you, but you can talk to them. If you've got stuff in your life you want to talk to them about, you can talk to them and they'll pray with you. If you're sick and need healing, just tell them. And they'll pray with you for healing. If you have struggled in your home, they'll do that as well. Now listen, I, I got pretty tough a little bit ago, but listen, if you're struggling in your marriage and you need to talk to somebody, call the office here. We got soul care ministry. You got a pastor here that loves you and cares for you and will be honest with you. We've seen lots and lots of families healed, lots of them. And we're going to see more and more. Don't live in that constant state of brokenness. So I'm going to have prayer workers come and they're going to minister to you as well. So just bow your heads for a moment. And for those of you in this room that say, hey, Pastor, I really need some prayer today. Would you just wave at me and say, Pastor, I really need some prayer today. There you go. There you go. I see you. I see you. Put your hands down. And be ready after we receive communion to do this. Now, look back up. We're going to, we're going to receive communion. You understand communion is covenant, right? Communion is covenant. He says, I want you to celebrate your covenant with me as often as you get together. And that's why I have begun to do it so many, so much more is because as believers, we sometimes forget our covenant. So open your communion, get your bread in your hand. And then also, not only should you get your bread in your hand, but also open the cup. The bread is the body of Christ. This is an intimate thing. I hold his body. I hold his blood. We are family. Are you ready to celebrate covenant? The bread is his body. I receive this sanctified body into myself. In the name of Christ, receive the bread, the bread, the body of Christ. And the cup. The blood of Jesus. Somebody thank God for the blood of Jesus. If you have accepted the work of Christ and the work of the cross, if you have received the blood of Christ, your sins have been removed. This is the blood of the new covenant. Deal with them. Don't let the residue stay, but know that your sins are removed. We celebrate the blood of Jesus. Let's receive the cup together. Come on, altar workers, come and stand here quickly. Altar workers, come. Father, I thank you for your word today. Today, we choose to get our covenants in order. We choose to follow you and to serve you in the name of Jesus. We repent. We confess. We pursue. Our marriages will change. Our homes will change. And future generations will be joyful about declaring your name. We open up our hearts completely to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want those of you that would like prayer to begin to move forward as we dismiss this congregation. Look to me for a moment longer. Get ready. You've lifted your hand. Perhaps you didn't, but these people are here and they are ready. They are tested and they are ready to speak with you about your prayer needs. Listen to me. I want to release you in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Now receive this. The Lord give you peace. God bless you all. Are you glad for the word today? Let's give thanks to God for the word.